Week after week, the Cape Crusader copes with the tricky traps of vicious villains. Will the time arrive when the Cape crime fighters come too close to the jaws of death? Holy metronome! What a fate! Punched in the player piano rolls. Watch Batman in color on ABC. The moon sheds no light on the dark mysteries of Colin's house. Within the sinister walls are hidden secrets that torment the inhabitants and fill their lives with fear. Ghosts haunt the musty corridors, and legend predicts shocking events. Townspeople say that Collins' house is a good place to stay away from. Strange things have happened there, and are happening still. It is to this isolated old mansion high on Widow's Hill that 20-year-old Victoria Winters has come to probe the mystery of her past. Curiosity plunges her into a gothic world of love, hate, revenge, and terror. Be sure to watch Dark Shadows every weekday afternoon on ABC. Hello and welcome to FW Presents, the anthology show of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Franklin, and today I have a returning special guest who has edited two very exciting projects that have recently been released, one of which I contributed to. Guess which one here in a minute. Uh, he's a fellow podcaster who hosts Comic Chaos with his co-host Fred Lefebvre, and he frequently guests on John S. Drew's Batcave podcast. He's written tales of some of our favorite characters in series, such as the Justice Society of America, the X-Files, the Ghostbusters, Spider-Man, Planet of the Apes, Star Wars, Captain Action, and the Green Hornet. But he has an affinity for a certain Cape Crusader and has edited four books of essays on the 60s Batman television series, beginning with his excellent Gotham City 14 Miles. He recently wrapped up editing a three-volume series of essays on each episode of the series, with the third volume, Oof Boff Splat, the subterranean Blue Grotto essays on Batman 66. If that wasn't enough, he has now sunk his teeth into another beloved 60s series, Dark Shadows, with Running Home to Shadows, memories of TV's first supernatural soap from today's grown-up kids. Please welcome editor, author, podcaster, and distant cousin to the Collins family, Jim Beard. Hi, Jim. Yeah. Chris, if I had a dime for every time someone's used that, sunk their teeth in. <laughs> Sorry, I, I thought I was being I clever. Forgive you. I forgive you. Because you know what? You you did me a good turn, and I really appreciate you being in my Gilligan's Isle uh, nonfiction anthology. So uh, thanks a lot. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> your, your, your essay um, called Marianne or Ginger, you know, I mean, I it was the standout in the book as far as I was. <laughs> it's always Marianne, 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 Marianne. Yeah, uh, that's why you're in the book because you went with Marianne. Yeah, the heck with. I was never interested in Ginger. It was always the girl next door. Yep, same here, same here. Yeah, I it it's I, I don't I mean even now as an adult I go back and I'm like yeah it's, it's still always Marianne yeah so. <laughs> huh? It's been a while since we talked on air. It's it's been uh yeah. 2 years. Uh nothing happened in those 2 years, thank goodness. Uh but, <laughs> barely, barely anything. Barely anything of note. Um back then yeah. the first volume of the Batman 66 essays had just been released. 
but volume two, you know, I, I, I hate to bring this up, but that almost didn't happen. Right. So can you elaborate yeah. on that a bit? If you, if you don't mind, <laughs> you, you need, you want to dredge all that up. Oh, okay. All right. No, I will, we'll do the We'll do this thing. It's good therapy for me. Okay. <clears throat> um, Boy, it was, I think it was literally like a week after uh, Biff Bam Eow uh, was released. I got an email from Amazon telling me that that and the first book, Zlong Zok Zowie, were, uh, had been taken down off of the site and uh, canceled altogether because of a uh, claim of infringement by uh, Warner Brothers. And it turned out it was because of the image use that uh, there's a uh, there was an image of Adam West as Batman on the cover of the first book, and then uh, Burt Ward as Robin on the second book. And uh, and then and then the rabbit hole opened up even wider, and as I fell into that, and it just got stranger and stranger as it went along. Um, uh, that. I started to look into what I could do. At first, I wasn't even going to republish them. I was just so crushed. Uh, they they temporarily suspended my account. I had to send in, uh, uh, like, cut and paste some wording that they gave me, but I had to send it back to them, basically saying, I will be a good boy and never, ever, ever do anything like that ever again. I promise. <laughs> Okay. And uh, they warned me that they were going to be keeping an eye on me and, you know, because I was a hardened criminal and, and all of that. <laughs> Basically, and I and I don't exaggerate in this, I, I, I literally believed and I had even looked into it somewhat that it, what I was doing was was within fair use. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Amazon didn't. You know, they didn't really want to go into it. So I actually went to uh, when I got over the initial shock, I went to D.C. and Warner's and tried to find out more about it. And I was very, very lucky because uh, one of the writers in book two by name of Peter David, who will be familiar to comic book fans everywhere. Mm hmm. He put me into contact with the head of legal at D.C., and that turned out to be a very, very, very nice man who I had a very nice conversation with on the phone. And he basically said that that it was – that I couldn't use images from the TV show in, in any way, shape or form because uh, we were, I was running the risk of the – for example, the, the estate of Adam West coming after me. Mm. OK. Actually, they wouldn't. They would go to DC and say, why are you letting this guy you, you know, do this? And then that would cause friction there and you know, they, they don't want that. I had black and white illustrations all throughout the book, one for each essay. But the problem with those is that every single one of those, the artist looked at photographs to draw, you know, to draw the characters. And that's a no-no too because potentially the the original photographer of those photos or their estate could also say, oh, that's a work based off of this work and you can't do that. So <clears> – <throat> 
what I did is I started working. I got my uh, original cover artist back in the loop, and we started working on a new new set of covers for the books that DC and Warners could be happy with. And they were more than happy to work with me. And we got to the point where we had new covers, and everybody was very happy. DC even wrote me a letter that I could give to Amazon that said that they were satisfied uh, with you know the new covers and and all of that and the next thing I knew it I uh, I got another email from Amazon that said we have uh, we have completely terminated your your account with us forever permanently Ugh. yeah and um, th- and I, I I was just you know, dumbfounded because I had not done anything. They had already taken down the, the offending books. Mm-hmm. They had given me my account back after I promised to never do anything like that ever again. And out of the blue, and I mean literally out of the blue, suddenly there was that as if something else had happened. I went back to them and and said, can you please explain this to me? I've done all of this done what you wanted i you know uh i have revised covers and dc is satisfied and blah 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 blah. and and they said we don't want to talk to you anymore we are we've made our decision and we don't want to have anything to do with you ever again and and just shut shut me down completely you know i i protested and i tried to get dc and warners to go to amazon uh using their amazon contact people and they couldn't get anywhere and i was just just you know wiped out from this whole thing because it was my other books too which had nothing to do with the the batman books right and um it finally got to the point where i I decided to build up my case and I made a timeline and all other explanations and 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 laid it out for them hoping that uh, because I realized that every time I emailed Amazon it was a different person there who right. responded and I was thinking maybe if I get a different person and luckily that worked because I laid it all out and I said, I didn't do anything more. I didn't make any more, you know, infringements. I I said, I think you're acting like I tried to do something more with those books, the canceled books. But I said, I can't because literally they were locked out. You know, I was locked out of them. Yeah. I couldn't do anything with them if I wanted to laid it all out. And, um, and, and then they came back and they said, they basically said, we're, Oh, we're sorry. And, here's your account back. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so I was able to republish the first two Batman books. To make a long story short, I republished the first two Batman books and then um, started in work on the third one. And now that's finally out. So I've completed the trilogy. I I just, I didn't mean to ask you that to dredge up bad memories. I just wanted to, (laughs) I just wanted to point out your perseverance that you, that you kept at it. I I actually, well, I actually gave up at least twice and, and, uh, I, I, the, the Batman books came out because I, I needed to do something after the, the death of my wife in in uh, 2019, July of 2019, and I actually 
explain that to, to Amazon, hoping that they wouldn't think I was just trying to, you know, make up something to tug at their heartstrings or anything like that. Right. You know, but I, I just laid it out. I said, you know, I said, my publishing has been very important to me in my recovery, you know, after this event. And, and I don't believe that past that initial, you know, infringement, which I'm very sorry for, uh, you know, I don't believe I did anything at all. And, and they still couldn't, they never did explain that to me. But what we believed happened was that they had, they instituted a brand new program to hunt and seek um, infringement. And, and one of the prime uh, uh, components of that, or, or one of the prime targets of that was DC works. Hmm. And it somehow I got they double dipped with me. Oh, okay. They had already gotten me, and then somehow I think they in, then instituted a new program, and it got me again. Oh, man. and it looked like I tried to do it again because they said if you ever do this again, you will lose your account permanently. And then that's what happened. Except I hadn't really done it again. It was, you know, and I and I I suggested that very nicely to them <laughs> that maybe you have a new program and maybe it it thinks that I did something again and so um, everything's been cool since I don't know if they really are looking at my stuff with more scrutiny than than other people now but <clears throat> but I was able to publish the books and and everybody's happy and i've had a lot of people tell me that they like the new covers even more than the original yeah uh, covers um it took me a while because i was so in love with those original covers and i and i just didn't want a generic cover but luckily it does still have an image of batman it's just in a way that uh dc was very happy with it yeah you know it's it's kind of amazing in some ways because uh to me uh, I, I get now the way you said that about Adam West's estate maybe being, you know, like, wait a minute, you know, we're, we didn't okay this because the yeah. image of Batman that you got on the covers now, and I, I almost don't want to even say this because I don't want people to live. Hey, wait, he's right. Uh, it's, it's more of universally Batman. You know, it's, it's it is. No, it, yeah, it yeah. very much is. It's not that it it, it, without all the, without all the details. But what I love is that they, you know, it's, it's definitely Batman. You get the yeah. sense of the cape and the shape of the head with the ears and, and the, those very distinctive eyes. Right. You know, and, um, you know, I really have grown to love him. That's Sean E. Ali who who did the covers, and he did an amazing job. And yes. and and he did something that you know again that um, that DC was uh, very happy with. Uh, the subtitle got changed. I think it was like two words. They didn't want me to say "Subterranean Blue Grotto Guides" right to Batman sixty six because they said that that had the connotation that they that the, that I was trying to say they were official guides. Mm, yeah, right. So <laughs> I changed it to it to the Subterranean Blue Grotto essays on Batman 66. <laughs> and, and that's that seemed to please them too. So uh, and we had to yank out all of the um, interior illustrations which which again was just, you know, like a knife through my heart because yeah. the artists that I had just did an incredible job and everybody had such a fun time 
doing those illustrations. So, um, including me. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. You. Yeah. yeah um, that was, I was, so, I will admit that was a, that was a, oh, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't feel too bad for myself. I felt so bad for you. Um, no, when, when no, volume, I appreciate that, but it, two got it's, it's all worked out and, yes. and then, you know, I, I finished it and I'm going to give you a scoop here, Chris, because okay. I don't think I've really gone into this anywhere else. So okay. you, you want a scoop? Sure. Yes. I'd love it. Okay. It was actually going to be a four volume set. Hmm. Okay. And, uh, volume four was going to be about season four of Batman 66. Oh yes, I. Yeah, you you know season four, right? Season four, right, right. That's yes. Yeah. I, I seem to have read something about that in uh, in volume three. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Um, so while I was working on volume two, I came up with the bright idea of doing a volume four, and uh, I had it pretty mapped out and you know, talk to people and I had several writers, um, uh, interested in, in doing it. And what we were going to do was act like there was a season four and write the exact same kind of book as volumes one, two, and three, and never, ever let the audience see us smiling. <laughs> we, it was going to be full, you know, um, Full encompassing a uh, joke, but but never lit in lit on that it was a joke. It was literally going to be essays on the you know however many episodes that never really existed, and they were going to be written in you know deadly serious like it really did all exist. And I was even going there was even going to have illustrations and 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 everything and. Um, it was going to be announced at the end of book three. It was going to say, you know, just like I did for the first, the other two books where, you know, come back, you know, same bat time, same bat publisher, whatever it was that said. And for, you know, blah, 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 the subterranean blue grotto uh, guide to uh, season, Batman 66 season four and, and let everybody then say to me, like, what is this? What are you talking about? <laughs> and I was going to keep up the joke and just say, well, it's going to be about season four. What are you talking about? <laughs> and uh, uh, I even I had outlines uh, and, and I, uh, I knew what um, every episode was, what the villain was going to be in every episode. And um, I, I started making a Bible for the writers to follow. And. Uh, uh, it was. I thought it was going to be really fun. But after the <laughs> unfortunate circumstances with the uh, DC Warner thing, I I really debated with myself and kind of talked to some people, and it really it came down to I don't need to risk anything else here. There's no reason to keep poking the bear, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and uh, and and again, that was hard too because because I was really geared up for it. And then I thought, wait a minute, I've written all like you know most of the Bible and and how many other different things you know that I was going to give to the writers to follow. And I thought I can use this. So it 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 ended up as my essay in volume three of a, a sort of a, a again a, a what if uh, season four. 
and I had a I had a blast with it because uh, the I was going to let the writers come up with the actual plots and titles, but so now it was on me. So I came up with plots and titles and and little notes about things to look for and all you know window cameos and and things like that and just had a had a lot of fun uh doing that so i'm glad that that idea still made it into print and you know even if it wasn't a full book it's still a full essay for book three Oh yeah, I was really surprised to find that in in my copy, <laughs> and I I love it. I, I mean, I love the idea of it, and I lo- I love some of the. I won't give it all away for for the folks who who haven't read it yet, but uh, just just a few things like the Robin cycle and and Margaret yeah. is poison ivy. Thank you, finally, yeah. finally, and Margaret is poison ivy. Well, <laughs> here's here's what I was what I had that I and I was going to say to the writers should when it was going to be a full volume. I I I, I was going to say don't do anything ludicrous or don't, you know, do complete fan service. Think through it and ask yourself, how would this really have been if they did a season four? And it moved networks. It, you know, I followed along with what it's NBC, I think it was, that was yeah. going to do a season four. So I said, OK, well, that just that happened. They actually did come up with the money to rebuild the sets um, after they were destroyed by ABC. But but I wanted all the writers, again, to not have like um, – you know, just like crazy, like any like metamorpho suddenly, you know, it's like, no, no, because that would never have happened. Nobody, nobody in 1968, 69 was going to, it was going to do metamorpho. So, you know, that would, that's fun and haha, but please don't do that. You know, think seriously about what could have happened. And I have some of the villains re- re- returning from previous seasons, and then there's some new villains in there, and one of them is Poison Ivy, and and I, I really truly think that Anne Margaret would have been utterly perfect for the role, oh, and yeah. and at that time, yes. too, you know, yes. So um, I think um, Frank, I had. Frank Gorshin did not come back again, and they let um, John Aston play it one more time. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I won't give it all away. Uh, like uh, uh, they lost Julie Newmar and and Eartha Kitt, so they actually asked Lee Merriweather to to be Catwoman in season four. Yeah, I like that. I like that you gave yeah. Lee Merriweather and John Aston a little more legitimacy yeah. in the in the series. Yeah, that yeah. was nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and I went with that idea of that they, I guess that they were talking about getting rid of Robin altogether and having just be, it be Batman and Batgirl. Yeah. And then I think there was an idea floated that the Batman and Bat or Robin and Batgirl could kind of take turns every other episode. Yeah. So I, I did something along those lines. Um, and, and people will see it. Here's what, no, barely anybody has mentioned that to me, that essay to me. Really? I've got almost no feedback whatsoever. And I was, you know, I was feeling pretty clever, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I had, I had done something really fun, but so anybody listening to this, I really love to hear your thoughts on it. You know, whether you liked it or didn't like it, 
Um, you know, l- let me know what you think. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I've gotten some nice reviews on the book, but they're more or less in, you know, in general sorts of thing. And I think maybe one or two people have actually mentioned that it's in there, but no one's really given me any much feedback about, did they think I did a good job on imagining what it could be? Or was I just totally off the mark? I, you know, I, I, I really thought you hit it. Um, I like the fact that you, that you kind of, you, you didn't have them fix the series. Like it didn't, they didn't yeah. course correct from season three so much as yeah. they, they gave them, uh, you know, in, in your fantasy season four, they, they gave them a little more money back. They went back to two parters, but it's still, it still wasn't back to the heyday of the show. And that's right. why it, it didn't go to right. season five. Yeah. So. Right. And that's, and that's how I imagine it is that they tried to recapture some of the glory by going back to two. And I think there's a three parter in there mm-hmm. also. And, and, but it, by that point it was just too late and it devolves into uh, the very last episode of season four is considered to be the worst episode of batman ever <laughs> i have i have a little problem with captain kentucky I, as a kentuckian i'm like now wait a oh. minute <laughs> <laughs> but you know what it would but it would have fit in those times know, for having yeah. something like it's like, like that. kentucky was neutral in the civil war let's remember that now i'm just kidding oh, i'm just kidding okay, well. <laughs> i'm just kidding no i thought it was clever but when i read it i'm like oh captain kentucky okay <laughs> i know you're in ohio so you for know for those of you listening wondering what the hell we're talking about pick up the book and you will see right yes i that we'll, we'll let you we'll leave you we'll leave you on that that bat cliffhanger there <laughs> and let you uh, uh uh go out and buy the book and find out for yourself i, I will ask i just i remember when we talked last time you said that you kind of hoped when you got to season three that you'd maybe feel a little different about it after you you know edited wow. the essays and you know read the essays that other that folks wrote like like I said myself, I wrote an essay on the the Joker's flying saucer. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, did your one of one of my favorite episodes of season three? Yes, me too. Yes, that shows Chris. It shows how much I like you that I gave you that episode. <laughs> oh, I allowed well, you to. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're very welcome. <laughs> I was kind of after the King Tut in the Batcave episode, but I that was my second runner up. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, was, and as much as I dislike King Tut, I actually do like that episode too. Yeah, I know. I'm not a huge King Tut fan, but I always love that episode. But uh, but so did you? Did your um, did you have any different thoughts on Batman season three after? Uh, you finished the book? Um, no, I, I mean, I still, I, I still feel the same about it. And one thing that John S. Drew and I really kind of hammered home when, when I did episodes of his, of the Batcave podcast mm-hmm. was that for a fan of the show, you don't have to love season three. And I get that. But it seems to me that you watch those episodes, there's always at least something in an episode that that you like. Yeah. And and we kind of challenged ourselves to to do that. Even in the Norclavical episode, <laughs> you know, there's it's like there's gotta be something in there that that like, oh, you know, that was interesting or you know, I kind of like that bit that they did right there. There's, there's always something. There, it's not, you know, that it's just totally 
horrible bad, uh, you know. But no, I pretty much feel the same way that I have always felt about season three. It has its points. Um, it has some really wonderful moments in it. Um, but it also is a good illustration of how the mighty can fall too. Mm-hmm. that, you know, just less than two years before that, that that show was on top of the heap and it was the show and everybody talked about it and, you know, uh, ran home from school to, to watch it. <laughs> um, if you were a college student, yeah. uh, but, um, you know, that, that in itself is incredible. Um, one of the best things about season three is to me is Will Murray's, uh, essay in Gotham city, 14 miles, uh, about, I think it was called jumping the bat shark uh-huh. Yeah, where he dissects <laughs> season three. But, um, no, I think, I think a lot of the, uh, essayists called out all of the good stuff and, and, you know, weren't too mean about the, the not so good stuff, which I kind of asked them, you know, again, I, I always, I always say I let the essayists do what they want for, for the most part, but I didn't want just out and out, you know, ripping the shreds out of, out of everything, you know, everybody, everybody, and I've said this multiple times and we still got this, we still got this criticism for book three, even though I've said it over and over and I say it in the introductions, everybody involved in those books is a fan of that show. Nobody, you know, hates it or anything like that at all. And, but just because, uh, they can see the good for the good and the bad for the bad does not mean that they are detractors of the show because you know what? I don't associate with people who hate that show. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, I want, I want to work with people who like it, but can, but also can see the the warts too on it. And, yeah. and be able to talk about it intelligently or humorously or 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 whatever. But um, no, I think everybody pretty much walked away with the with the same thoughts about it. It was fun to see like people like you uh, take an episode that I really like and get to see the same you know joy in it. Um, I love your take on uh, the Joker's flying saucer, um, and especially because you talked about my favorite character in that episode. Oh, uh, Verdigris there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, talk, about, talk about a fascinating character and, yeah. and what a shame that it's just a one half hour story because there's so much, there's so many questions to me about that character that he is unlike any uh, goon, and he, you can't even really call him a villain goon, you know? Yeah. He's hes more of an assistant, or even, dare I say, a partner. Yeah. In that, and and totally weird, and, and but, you know, I never, there's no other uh, lackeys or goons in the rest of the show where you go like, well, what? what was he supposed to be or, or where did he come from? Or, you know, you don't sit there and, you know, uh, like bookworms assistants or goons or whatever, you know, like, yeah, they're just some goons and they have shtick, you know, like, so what? Yeah. But, but Verdigris is really, really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. He, it's it, that, that character had a lot of 
potential, I think. And they, I mean, you yeah. kind of assume like in, in my angle for folks who haven't read yet, my angle is, you know, they, the whole thing is a hoax, but what if it wasn't a hoax? What if this guy yeah. was, was a real Martian or a real alien? And, and, and yeah. why not at this point when the series is, you know, you're like two or three episodes from cancellation. This is the last yep. major returning villain that they'll have on the series with the yep. Cesar Romero's Joker. So why not yep. just go for broke and have him be an alien? So, uh, um, well, you kind of inspired me. Because there's something about in my <laughs> my season four what if that kind of uh, follows up on that. Yep, I thought. saw that. It's uh, yeah, I like the little nod to another uh, star of Detective Comics at one time. That was nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're being very cagey about what we're talking about here. So, um, well, you know, I I, I want to move on to your your newest book here in a moment, but before we do that, I I do want to. Uh, I just want to ask, there was a lot of talk uh, recently when The Batman was released, how dark it looked. Uh, I myself was very hesitant to watch it. My son convinced me to, and I I enjoyed it for what it is, I will say that. And uh, mm. uh, But um, there's a lot of talk about, can we please get a lighter Batman, um, you know, in film, in, in live media? Um, do you think that, um, do you think we're ready for a lighter Batman or... And if it is a lighter Batman, would we ever approach Batman in live action the way the 60s TV series did? Do you think we'll ever see that again? It It's a great question. Um, personally, I can't – I know there's going to be a, a sequel to this one. I mm. I cannot see uh, what, like a, the next reboot – it couldn't possibly get any darker. There's a really funny meme that's going around Facebook that has several panels and it shows every single like live action Batman. Well, it doesn't have the serials from the forties, but it starts with Adam West and it says 1966 and it shows Adam West and the panel or the square that he's in is very brightly lit up like the TV show. And then it's the next one is 1989 and with Michael Keaton. And it's, it's like a little darker, you know, and then it keeps going through the years of the different Batmans. And I love it because each panel or square gets darker and darker and darker and i mean physically like literally like darker darker and then it, it has the pattinson you know it says 2022 and you can barely see him in the, <laughs> and then the last square i think it says 2025 and it's just a black square <laughs> yeah you know yeah. it's it's so funny but also very sadly true yes uh, although if they really wanted to do it realistically, they would have lightened it back up again with George Clooney. Sure. <laughs> and then it got darker again with, with Christian Bale. But yes. but anyways, I think the point is made. It's like, where, where do you go from here? Yeah. And I've said this a couple of times. Um, you can have Batman be a dark creature of the night. I totally get that. But what I would really, really like to see is a sense of adventure come back into it. It Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be like Adam West. And you know what? That can never be duplicated. I would be the very first person to say, don't ever try to remake that because you can't. Mm -hmm. It was a sign of its time. You know, it burned bright for about a year and a half and and the flame blew out and that was it and it was over. 
You can't duplicate it. Don't even try to do that. But I think what you can do is take a page from um, writer Grant Morrison. When Grant Morrison took over Batman comics several years ago, he tried to take every era of Batman in the comics and blend it all into one Batman. And basically said every version of Batman is valid and legitimate. And they're all aspects of the same character. And I think you can do something like that. And I said to somebody not too long ago, what I would like to see is a Batman movie with a uh, kind of an uh, an Indiana Jones vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meaning, meaning a sense of – uh, swashbuckling and adventure, but it can still happen at night. It's, it, you know, um, it doesn't have to have Batman doing the Batusi or anything like that at all. Um, but I, I think it could be done. And honestly, I think that would appeal to perhaps even a broader audience. The, um, the average person on the street, I don't know if they totally get this idea of a really, really dark Batman. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the that the Adam West Batman is still on some people's minds. Now, it's going to be a little more on older people's minds, but that still is a part of the equation in, in people. They, I don't think that they totally get this. Like, I think some of them might go see, you know, maybe the Christian Bale movies and then this one and say, why is this so dark? (laughs) You know, like, uh, like I thought Batman, you know, was a little, you know, or I thought he wore blue and gray, you know, or or whatever. Um, (laughs) Um, and I think about that a lot, and especially with the character of Superman. I don't think that they're totally getting the 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 more recent, you know, somewhat darker versions of it. I think they walk into the movie and they go, "Wow, you know, I thought Superman wore a bright red and blue yellow costume, and you know, had a spit curl and and smiled and." You know, was a big Boy Scout and and all of that sort of thing. You know, it's it's kind of a a very tiny, tiny group of people on the face of this planet who are familiar with the way Batman is is right now in the comic books. Um, uh, So, again, I'm I'm just going to I'll leave it there. I, I really, really wish that they could find a way to bring in some of the elements. Um. Get back to really a really weird villain, and and I, and I don't mean whatever the hell this um, Zodiac Riddler thing that they you know yeah, right. that they have going on, but maybe a little bit of shtick, and I get that. But you know, if you have a good actor in the role, that that's going to carry it. But or just something, you know what? You know what we never ever get in a Batman movie is. In the comic books, he is he swings from building to building, you know, constantly, and in the animated shows too. But you know, we never get that. Like, talk about a, a sense of adventure. You know, Batman shoots the grappling line and then swings from you know, a building to building. You know, and again, it can be at night. Um, uh, that's what I'd like to see. Sort sort of a more of an Indiana Jones uh, t- take 
on it. And it could have a little thread or a little vibe of the Adam West show in it. And by that, I mean sort of a, you know, joy of the joy of living. Yeah. (laughs) A thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I agree. I mean, I think, you know, a little, an injection of fun would be. Yeah. uh, Nice. You know, even, I mean, yeah. Because fun does not mean silly. No. It doesn't have to mean silly. It can still mean excitement, adventure. Uh, Batman is is yes, he's a you know superhero and an Avenger, uh, uh, you know, uh, but he can also be an adventurer. Yes, I agree too. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. I you got my you got my vote. So there. okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we were talking about how big of a fad that Batman was for a brief period in the 60s, and I have always heard that the big 60s fads were the Beatles, Bond, and Batman, but I yeah. think you could add Barnabas to that list. Uh, so that's <laughs> I not, totally agree. Yeah. The missing B, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> hey, a good segue. <laughs> Thanks. I'm, I thought you'd like I, that. My cowls <laughs> doff to you. <laughs> That was one hell of a segue. I, I think I, it seems that like the general public, like shortly after Dark Shadows, before it even went off the air, maybe even like they they forgot just how popular it yeah. was. And that's one thing that your book Running Home to Shadows like really illuminates the fact that these this was the event every afternoon for a generation of kids. They had to get home. They had to watch this show so they could talk about it the next day on the schoolyard. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think your book, more than anything I've read on Dark Shadows or any of the documentaries I've seen, I think the essays and, and the, the that you've edited into this book really tell that tale of what this show meant to, the, again, that generation of kids. Because I think that's a component of it. I mean, it, it's, it's talked about that, yes, uh, Jonathan Fred, a 40 40- – plus year old Shakespearean actor uh, was on on teen magazine covers and was mobbed when he went to the airport, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, things like that. We've heard that, but the fact that it's what it meant to the kids is, uh, is what really, uh, what I really loved about your book. Uh, And can you tell readers what inspired you? Uh, what, sorry, can you tell our listeners okay, what inspired you to compile? <laughs> I said readers, because we're talking about readers. Can you uh, tell us what uh, inspired you to compile and edit this book? Yeah, um, it is uh, It is dedicated to my late wife, Becky. Um, uh, she was the very first person that ever said that phrase to me, that she ran home from school to watch Dark Shadows. And that was... Not long after we met, I learned of her love for that show. And I went for many years after that thinking that that was her or or that was just, you know, unique to her. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was when we really got onto the Internet and and I started to hear that phrase, but from other people and then over and over and over again. And I said, I remember saying to her, like, that must be like some kind of a thing, <laughs> you know, that that these kids. And she said, well, it was on it, you know, after school. And and yeah, you know, it was it was a big deal. Um, and we had talked about 
doing something like this at one point and, and it didn't happen while she was still here. Um, but I, uh, I've been looking, you know, since she's been gone, I've been looking for ways to honor her memory. Uh, I named my own self-publishing uh, house uh, Becky Books mm-hmm. after her. And every book that I put out under that name is is books that I know that she would really have loved and and thought were fun. And I think a Dark Shadows book was just, staring me in the face um so i knew that i wanted to to be a perfect ode to her it had to be um that same story uh so i conceived of it as i needed to find writers who were those same that same kid um they everybody in the book uh had to be a child during the original 66 to 71 run of Dark Shadows. Uh, In in effect, they needed to be a running home from school kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found uh, 20 of them all together, and and I said, okay, here's the opportunity to tell your story uh, about how you discovered Dark Shadows, uh, why you liked it, and what it meant to you and any other little anecdotes and, and memories and recollections and observations. And I said, but it's got to be from the point of view of you as a kid. You can talk a little bit about, you know, if you became an adult and, and you still like the show or, or, you know, other things like that. And you're and and are things that you learned or discovered as an adult. But the primary focus had to be of your observations as a child. And it came out beautifully. Everything from top to bottom, this is exactly the book that I wanted to do. And I was very glad because in my introduction, I was able to finally tell Becky's story or or she finally got to tell uh, her story th- through me. Um, and, um, and I think one of the coolest things of all is that I – somehow managed to get uh maggie evans josette dupre herself <laughs> uh Catherine lee scott to do the uh forward yes uh to the book and uh she she wrote exactly what i what i had asked her to to talk about which was the idea of back then when the show was being filmed uh that the actors discovered that it wasn't just housewives that were watching the show, or maybe you know, college students too, but actual children watching the show, and and that had to have been something of a surprise to them because that that couldn't really have been the target audience, right? At that time, as 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 campy, there's that word, as campy as the show could be. It's actually fairly sophisticated in its storytelling, and it's 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 a very gloomy show. Yes, yeah. it's not exactly kid kitty fair. Um, I was surprised when I really I got to watch it from beginning to end many many years ago when it, they showed every single episode on the Sci Fi Channel, and she and I watched it together. And there were parts of it that she had never seen before. She had never seen the pre Barnabas stuff. 
Okay. And I don't think she saw the the final story. The there's a it ends with a parallel time story. Right. Where, Manuel and yeah, yeah, that one, yeah. Finally, after all those years, Jonathan Frid got to play a different character. He had he was like the only actor who only was just playing one character, Barnabas. Yeah. He got to play Bramwell Collins, who, if I remember correctly, is the son of the original Barnabas. Yeah, in that timeline where he wasn't a vampire. Yeah, in right. that timeline. Yeah. So, um, so that was really fun because she got to see all of her favorite storylines. She didn't own, you know, v- VHS tapes, or well, there wasn't really disc, you know, at that time. Uh, so she was rediscovering the show, and we got to watch it together, and that was really fun because um, um, I got to see everything that she had ever talked about to me about it, and all the storylines that she really loved. And she go, "Oh, this is the this is the one with this part," you know. And <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, that's that's the story. It's you know that book exists because of because of her. And I think it's a book that she would really have been very happy with. And I think she would have seen a lot of kindred spirits, (laughs) all the essayists uh, in that book. And even though everybody's story is unique, there are those common threads. Yes. And I hope people pick up on that when they read it, uh, that, um, that under the skin that, you know, those, all those writers, they're all the same. It's like one big story, you know? Uh, and I say that in my introduction, it's, it's Becky's story, but it's also their stories, but it's also one big story too. Yes. I definitely got that. I mean, there's things that they bring up that, uh, you know, not only, not only did they come home to watch it, but there's, there's quite a few of the kids. It's like, oh, we had the, the, the board game. We had both board games. We yeah. had the gum yeah. cards, you know, yeah, and the comic the, books, the, the comic books. Yes. Yeah, the, the, the novels. The, I think the, the Marilyn Ross uh, novels get mentioned the, uh, the most as, yes. as sort of the side, you know, merchandise uh, to it. And those, they in themselves are like parallel time. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't often resemble the show <laughs> very much. But, uh, but I, you know, I loved how they said, oh, I've I read those voraciously. You know, and even though they didn't really resemble the show, I loved them. And um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, it's fun to hear. You know, like what what kid? The you know, this kid had a crush on this character or actor, and this one, you know, didn't like that character. And the role playing that they all did. Yes. Um, and and then <laughs> there's two of them that actually were involved in seances because of <laughs> Dark Shadows. One being my co-editor himself, Charles Rutledge. <laughs> you know, and I remember when he said, "I'm okay. I'm writing mine now, and I'm going to focus on the seances in the show." Because I I was involved in one myself, and I'm like, go okay, go for it. I I can't wait to read this. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> and great. I believe it's Martin Powell who also wrote about being involved in in a séance, and one of the two of them kind like allegedly conjured up Barnabas, which is I think it's might have been Charles, which he said, which is weird since Barnabas was a fictional character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so. There is some really great stories in that book to anybody who might be interested, even if you don't 
even if you're not a huge Dark Shadows fan, I think what you're going to see in the book is people talking about a pop culture phenomenon, uh, a sensation. And I think you're going to be able to see that if you take out the, you know, dark, the words Dark Shadows and insert other things, Star Trek, Batman, you know, things, I think you're going to see those common threads that uh, of, of, of a great love of the material uh, when you were a kid and, and how an obsession uh, and, and the links that you will go to, to get your fix on, on that particular thing that you love so much. So, you know, just, just students of pop culture, I think would enjoy the book. Yeah, I, and I think it's funny that, you know, nowadays with their, you know, with the, like the Disney Plus series, the Marvel series and the Star Wars series, and then the streaming shows like, you know, when Stranger Things comes back around and things like that. Nowadays, there's that same feeling of like, oh, that, that, that it drops today. Episode six drops today. I can't yeah. wait to get home from work to watch it, you know, and yeah. I hope I watch it before somebody ruins it for me on the internet. Yeah. So it, yeah, it, and it, that's, that's kind of our version of running home. It is. You know? <laughs> it's the modern equivalent to it. It's not necessarily a time thing, although there, of course, there are shows, you know, on the CW or whatever that are timed, right. you know, they come on at a certain time of the evening or whatever. And, you you know, you might want to race home from work to to watch them. But, yeah, it's that same thing. I, I like that idea about I need to race home to watch this, even though it's a streaming show, because I'm worried that somebody's going to spoil it for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is very much the equivalent. But but, you know. I think the days of school children, grade school children and high school students racing home to do something like that is uh, that's, you know, a thing of the past. So there's another thing this book is. It's a time capsule. Yes, I I I, I agree. Yeah, because they can they can watch it at their convenience, whatever they're into, whenever, as long as somebody doesn't yeah. spoil it for them. But, uh, you know, you brought up like it kind of like the fact that. There were some adults. I mean, not like it was something kids couldn't watch. The, 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 there was no racy scenes or anything, but the, 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 the context of the storylines, the content, the, the, there are, they're very situations that are very steeped in literary traditions and, and classic yeah. literature because Dan Curtis and company, lifted wholesale classic novels that had any oh, yeah. hint I of mean, a horror. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, story arc after story arc after story arc are, you know, they, they just swiped mercilessly, you know, but you swipe, you know, when you're going to swipe stuff, swipe from the best, but right. my, yeah. just everything. I mean, starting off with, um, even before, um, uh, Barnabas came into the show. Uh, there was a, a ghost story in there that, you know, fans of uh, classic ghost uh, story writers like uh, M.R. James or, or I'm trying to think of somebody else right now um, would recognize. And then um, uh, uh, there's a whole story about um, uh, Rogers, uh, Roger Collins's ex-wife and David Collins's mother, Laura, is comes back. And she's a supernatural being called mm -hmm. – uh, she's a phoenix. And people don't realize that all that stuff went on before Barnabas ever came into the show. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, you know, Barnabas is Dracula. We have the Dracula story. We have Jekyll and Hyde in there. We have uh, Turn of the Screw. Twice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, 
of all things, of all things, HP Lovecraft. <laughs> yes. And I, I think I said this to uh, Penny Dreadful when I was recording her show. Like, who'd ever have thought that, you know, Cthulhu stuff would end up on a daytime soap opera in 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 the early 70s or late 60s, early 70s? You know, yeah. boggles the mind. Like the you know the Levi we're talking about the Leviathan story uh, yes. here, which is not a very uh, favorite part of the show for some people, but no. I like it. Yeah, and I'm I, not even a Lovecraft fan, and I I thought I give him I give him credit for having the balls to do it. Like yes. you know to try to put a love Lovecraft ideas over to housewives, <laughs> you know, and school children. You know that's that's just crazy. That's yeah. crazy talk. Did you think that's part of the appeal that kids felt like, okay, this show's not talking down to me? You know, I, I, oh, uh, oh I, yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and they say it in the book. Some of them knew that they were more or less watching something that maybe they weren't really supposed to be watching, mm-hmm. you know? And sometimes they, they knew that they, you know, uh, there's stories in there about parents saying, I don't want you watching this show. Yeah. Uh, and not because it was racy, but because it was too scary. Yeah. You know, or they didn't want them exposed to stories about, you know, vampires, witches, Satanism. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. that's the other thing. Yeah. Well, what other daytime soap opera could you tune into and have a character named Nicholas Blair, who was a warlock and was calling up the legions of hell? You know, there's even a few episodes where uh, there's something or someone that was is most likely the devil Mm -hmm. or a devil. Diablos or whatever his name was. Yeah, Yeah. Diablos in 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 a in in a room that probably was like an anteroom to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Where else were you going to get anything like that? Um, It's it's an incredible, incredible show and and again there you know there was nothing like it before and there will never be anything like quite like that again in in terms of groundbreaking and what it attempted yeah i I, one thing i've always kind of puzzled me about dark shadows i i mean i can see it with batman because I, i mean literally like we've talked about there was definitely the, the the I think you even mentioned in your intro to uh, volume three that there's like there's the <laughs> there's not a lot of gas left in the tank. There just seems like nobody seems to be overly enthusiastic about it. As they yeah. were. But with Dark Shadows, yeah. it really I, I've heard different things like that. You know, Dan Curtis was done. I've heard that oh well, the movie came out. The House of Dark Shadows movie was uh you know more violent and and more just. Uh, kind of, you know, dark and mean spirited and, you know, and, and parents took their kids to see it. And, and so the parents were like, well, you're not watching that anymore. Or, you know, I've heard those things, but it, it just seemed like it just, it like ran out of, it, it ran out of gas, but they, they filled the tank up, but somehow it had a leak or something. I don't, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you, why, yeah. why do you think the show ended when it did? I mean, uh, what, what do you, why do you think it burned out so quick? I, I'm, I'm not the expert on that, but it, 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 some of it could be that it had, it had just run its course. Yeah. Um, I, I, but you know, um, it, uh, let's see, 66 to 71, it, it was five years that that's, you know, not a bad run at all. But I think when you are doing something like that, 
uh, all these supernatural storylines and classic literature storylines and um, jumping back and forth through time, uh, the idea of parallel time. Um, I, I, I think you get to the point where what you say, what the hell else are we going to do? <laughs> and, and you know what, after five years, their audience was probably starting to move on. You know, maybe they had seen everything. Um, if, if I had watched it back in its original run, I think I would have gotten to a point where I said, is nobody in this show ever going to have one happy moment? Could there be one episode where somebody is happy for the entire episode? <laughs> I said that the, I said that the Becky, when we were watching it in the nineties, I, I, I remember turning to her at one point and saying like, no one, no one ever gets to ever stay happy in the show. You know, they might have like a minute or two where they're, you know, they're having some joy over something and then that goes away. And I thought, how do, how do people, you know, kind of deal with that? Um, and if you read the essays, you'll see a lot of the writers said that they're, that they were invested in the characters. They hated when something would happen to their favorite character, but it it was that sympathy that carried them along. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially for Barnabas. Yeah. Uh, and Barnabas is an incredible character. And I don't think a lot of people know this. It's when you, if you don't really know the show and it's the same thing with Batman, you think it's a, it's, there's just a knee jerk reaction and, and you know, of the, of the meme generation that they know the whole thing just because they, they read one meme about it, you know, or they saw a sound, a heard a sound bite of it or a clip. Barnabas is an amazing character because he, over the course of that show, was every – he was everything. He began as a villain. Yes. And a, and a fairly heinous one too. <laughs> yeah. To take a young, innocent girl and psychologically torture her – into believing that she was his lost love from the past. Yes. You know, yeah. uh, holding her captive in secret and then acting, you know, like a normal, more or less normal person, you know, to everybody else. And then, and then he starts to change and he becomes sort of an anti-hero where he stops doing that, but he's still not like, championing championing anything but if something comes along he'll you know he'll take care of it then he becomes more or less a, a straightforward hero and then he becomes a victim himself i mean the circle comes all the way around during the leviathan story he's a victim yes they they take you know control of him against his will so it's it's a really fascinating uh, character, and um, even Angelique, who is pretty much God lover Lara Parker, a one note character throughout the whole show, but she actually gets a little bit of redemption at the end, <laughs> um, which I know some people aren't really happy with how that goes, but uh, but uh, again, it's a fascinating show with fascinating characters that you can't really sum up. You know, with just a few sentences. I mean, try to sum up Quentin 
Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it would take you a while because there's a lot of facets to the character, and he changes. You know, over over time. I mean, uh, I love it because he he started off as a as a um, silent ghost. Yes. Uh, show. And then became one of them. I mean, to the, you know what he was? He was the Spock to Barnabas's Captain Kirk. Yes, he was. That's good. Yeah. That's he was good. the secondary kind of character, but then became just as popular and probably even more popular than the main character. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Quentin was ghost, werewolf, Dorian Gray, uh, <laughs> every, yeah, everything, everything, warlock, every, you know, everything you could, or uh, would be warlock. You made a really good point about Frid being a somewhat older and sort of unlikely sex symbol, you yeah. know, heartthrob in that show. Yeah. But, uh, David Selby, he fit that, you yes. know, he was a younger, good-looking guy, you know. That you know, I think they finally got the a true sex symbol on the show. Yes, you know, yes. you know, and and that's not to put Jonathan down, but you no, know, no. he Jonathan again, a little bit older, not terribly handsome guy, but you know what? He made one hell of a vampire. Oh yeah, he was perfect. I mean, there's Jonathan. When he, we wanted when he wanted to be creepy. That dude was creepy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he he definitely he definitely did. I, I really enjoyed the recent documentary about Jonathan Fred too. I, I watched it recently. It's it's really uh, I haven't gotten to see it yet, but I do want to. Yeah, if, if if anybody wants to watch it, it's if you have Tubi, it's it's you have to watch commercials, but it's on there for free now. So if you want to watch it, uh, it's it's that's out great. There. Yeah. So have I, you seen the um? Have you seen the recent Dan Curtis documentary? Yes, I like that. that. That was great. I really enjoyed that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was I really enjoyed that one, too. Yeah, uh, there, there's a there's a subject of a whole nother podcast is Mr. Dan Curtis. Oh, and man. What, and what he brought to TV and movie screens, you know, I mean, not just Dark Shadows, but all the other stuff that, that he was behind and and did is is really, really amazing. Yes. I mean, yeah, just what I mean, you know, from uh, from televised golf to uh to uh, mm. Dark Shadows and Kolchak, and and then uh, and then the uh, Winds of War miniseries. I mean, you know, it's just. Yep. He, I mean, yep. he did, he did it. He literally did it all. And 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 yes, that's in, yes, burn indeed. offerings. You know, uh, the yeah. film burn offerings, and yeah, he's he was all over. I you brought and up. David's, he never wanted to let go of Dark Shadows, and he attempted. <laughs> he did attempt it more than once. <laughs> yeah, he did. I you know I remember you know just real briefly. Uh, you know my my connection with Dark Shadows. I watched. Um, I, I, I didn't, I never got a chance to watch it, but my dad, now he was a, a late a man in his late twenties. He wasn't a kid, but he would watch it in the afternoon when he was home mm. from work. And he would yeah. tell me about in the seventies and early eighties that, oh, there used to be this soap opera about a vampire, you know? And I'm like, what, what a soap opera about a vampire, you know, my mom prove watched it. Young and the Restless. Prove yeah, prove it, dad. Young and the Restless and as the world turns, but well, there's no soap operas about vampires now. And then, uh, sci-fi channel, like, like you and, and your wife watched, uh, I started watching it when I was in high school, you know, it was on, um, you know, in the summertime, I could watch it and it was on like in the morning, I think. And, and, um, uh, 
I, I would watch that and kind of got, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to watch all of them, but I got what I saw. I mean, I, I was in love with, and by that point, I kind of knew it was a thing. I'd seen pictures of Jonathan Fred as Barnabas and, uh, yeah. and, and not long after that, the, uh, Ben Cross series, the, the revival, yeah. uh, came yeah. on and, you know, it was, I liked it too. I, you know, I enjoyed we, it. We did too. She, I was surprised that she would allow it into her heart. Uh, but she did actually like that one. Uh, she really liked Ben Cross, uh, and uh, she especially liked that that doofus who played Willie. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, she loved Willie Loomis from the original. John Carlin, she just loved him from the original show. Oh, yeah. But that his name is Jim something. Yeah, I can't think of it. But any uh, Fife maybe. I th- yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but um, but she really did enjoy that. She was intrigued with the announcement then of the the second attempt at a revival, the one that was filmed and then they stopped and it oh, never came out. The WB one, yeah, yeah. Uh, she, you know, she was intrigued by that, uh, but we did we never did go see the uh, the the film, the more recent <clears throat> Tim Burton film, yeah. uh, because. She was against it, and then she said, okay, I, I, it is Dark Shadows. I think I probably need to go and see it. And then we saw that first trailer and realized it was being played for laughs, and she was just, you know, said, nope, no way. I, I don't really want to have anything to do with it. And so, you know, to this day, you know, I've never seen it, and she she never saw it. I've never seen all of it, honestly, either, because I was so disappointed. I felt like, okay, you get Tim Burton and Johnny Depp and what they did with the Sleepy Hollow film, that would make for a good Dark Shadows film, right? Yeah. They did not go in that direction. Um, So, uh, yeah, and you know, that's something you brought up earlier, and I know that's something you brought up Penny Dreadful, uh, who hosts uh, the wonderful and produces a wonderful terror at Collinwood podcast which i highly recommend to anybody that's listening to this that loves dark shadows it's a great show but um you know she always she's kind of got like when people say oh don't call dark shadows camp and i i kind of i kind of agree with her because i think that dark shadows was completely they were completely sincere about it when they made it i think the only the only way that camp kind of enters into it is it was the fact that they were shooting straight to videotape there were very few retakes unless something just well i mean literally i guess you know they i think somebody i think they even said that in your book or maybe i read it somewhere else that there was a set was on fire and they just kept filming you know um so right, yes right. so it's it's you know it had to be really bad for them to ever do a retake so there's line flubs there's you know rubber bats on strings and even worse there's animated chroma key bats and Things like that, but I I never got that they were they were never. Now the actors may have looked at themselves and went, "What am I doing here? This is this story's like so over the top." But they never yeah. presented it that way on camera, and um, I, I I feel that's where somewhere along the line, Burton and Depp must have thought that they did, and that's why that movie turned out the way it did. It very well could be, um, you know, Batman. Uh, was purposeful camp. Yes. If anything, Dark Shadows may be categorized as accidental camp. Yes. 
I, they, you're right. I don't think they set out to to do that. It's it's just that it was interpreted, you know, that way. It's you know, it's melodrama. It is a soap opera, mm-hmm. but you know, and it's very melodramatic at, at times. But um, and and you know what? There's various levels of acting ability on the show. Yes. Um, <laughs> but there are um sublime moments where everything comes together and and you you know you have an episode where you go wow you know that was just really great um uh and if you don't have that then you at least have colorful things happening uh y- y- you know like you said the the, <laughs> the 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 special effects or, or or whatever, but yeah, it was it was that was more budgetary things than anything. Right. Yes, um, yes. But yeah, definitely not. They didn't sit there and say, "Let's play this very broad," you know, and and camp it up. Nope that 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 wasn't Dark Shadows. One of the most sublime moments I think you brought that up and it immediately popped in my head was when the the, the seventeen ninety five storyline where they tell the origin of Barnabas, how he became a vampire. And his the confrontation between yep. Barnabas and his father, and Louis Edmonds plays his father, uh, Joshua I think Joshua Collins I think was his father, and just the confrontation between like the fact that this this very stoic man of his time he he wants to he he when he finds out his son is an undead vampire he mm. at first wants to wants to destroy him barnabas wants him to destroy him he wants him to kill him so he this curse will end and then he cannot do that to his son i mean that is deep i mean you know i mean it's yeah. it's so well yeah. acted between those two actors which i think you know louis edmonds is just a a wonderful actor i mean his roger is just yeah. a, he goes from being like a a total psycho in the first episodes to be in a hoot later, you know, I mean, he's just, <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah. it's, he was a- another big favorite of, of Becky's and, uh, uh, she really loved him. We always joke about, you know, every time, every time they always talk about drinking games in dark shadows. You take <laughs> a drink, you know, when this, but with, with, um, Roger, it should be that anytime he says he has correspondence to take care of, he was constantly saying, well, Liz, I have some correspondence to to, to address here. He was always doing that and, and with his brandy, you know, snifter. And uh, um, but, yeah, he you know, there, there's a whole storyline about that. He uh, he hits or either kills or or hurt somebody with a car with his car yeah yeah and yeah he's kind of like he's kind of a bad guy yeah because he's trying to cover it up <laughs> at that point yeah yeah with uh, burke devlin and, and gets burke devlin uh pinned with manslaughter yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, that's it. <laughs> but yeah that i mean that scene there i just that that confrontation that between father and son i mean that's how barnabas ends up you know chained up in the coffin with the cross uh, over top right. of him. And, uh, uh, you know, you talked about, uh, Willie Loomis. I, John Carlin is just, I think he's one of the unsung heroes of that show. Um, yeah. he's, he's like in like, I think somebody, I forgot who it was. It might've been on, uh, um, <laughs> on one of the dark shadows websites I read, but somebody described John Carlin. John Carlin thinks he's in a Tennessee Williams play. You know, uh, he is, he's <laughs> acting for the rafters, but it's, 
it's good acting. You know, he's yeah, he's yeah, he's really emoting, and uh, of course, he went on yeah. later to win Emmys for Cagney and Lacey and and things right, like that. Right. And uh, and I, that's how I knew him. I was like, oh, it's it's the it's her husband from Cagney and Lacey. Okay, uh, <laughs> Willie Loomis. Willie Loomis might be considered like the the most sympathetic or the character to elicit the most sympathy from viewers. Yes, when because. Yeah, he goes into the mausoleum to steal the Collins, what he believes is the Collins jewels or whatever, in, you know, in the mausoleum, in the coffin or whatever. And he accidentally <laughs> releases Barnabas. Once he's under the under thrall to um, Barnabas, though, you, uh, you know, your heart, you can't help your heart going out to him because he, you know, he just goes through hell. Uh, you know, Barnabas beats him, uh, makes him do, makes him get victims. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's, you know, um, he's got to keep the secret of, uh, when Maggie is kidnapped yeah. and, and held against her will. And he's, you know, got to help in the, conver- her conversion to, to become Josette. Um, it's, you know, I, I, I in a way, he might have been the an audience identifier character, I guess you could say. Yeah. But uh, but Becky just loved you know, Willie, and uh, she would uh, she would walk around and imitate Barnabas. She he'd go Willie, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. what have you done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Barnabas, no. <laughs> the cane would come up, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, he got shot. He got taken, sent to a yeah. mental hospital. Over all that, yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. when uh, when uh, uh, Jason McGuire is still around, yeah. and Jason's kind of, you know, Willie, you're up to something. <laughs> yeah, I want to know what it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jason, if you just just leave me alone, I'm I'm working for Barnabas now. <laughs> what do you got going? You know, and that just a whole he's got to lie to everybody constantly and you know, and then he tries to help Maggie and he gets beat again for that and Yeah. Yeah. Oh that's I guess that's the first good thing Barnabas did was take out Jason McGuire for the Collins family, oh, you know. So <laughs> literally one of the best moments in all of Dark Shadows. And you know, it's I think it's like the first time for Barnabas in that show that he does something that is 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 good yeah <laughs> you know yeah that yeah he he takes care of one of the biggest thorns in this especially in elizabeth's side you know but yeah you know what's funny is and it's um it's good because jason represented the the pre-barnabas era yeah and barnabas comes in and barnabas starts to wipe away the the older stuff and Jason is the hanging, you know, thread there that needs to be pulled and cut and and wiped away. Yeah, and and I love it because at that point Barnabas is like a force of nature, you know, uh, or, or or the Dark Avenger. Uh, you know, he comes in and basically says, "Who the hell's this guy?" And he's you know, he takes him out. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's it's funny how Barnabas goes from preying on the Collins to being their protector. It's it, it but yeah. it, but you watch it over the course of the series and it works. I mean, I I guess that's not he's it not does. the the only character in soap opera 
history because I know Luke and Laura had a rough start. I believe he raped her and then they ended up being the power couple yeah. of the eighties, which I don't think yeah. that's a really good message to send, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, that's, that's how soap operas, uh, fall out sometimes, yeah. you know? So yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to, I wanted to run something past you. We talked about, about Quentin earlier, about David Selby and our pal, our pal Dan Greenfield of 13th Dimension. He has long, advocated that Christopher Lee should have played uh Rachel Ghoul and I'm totally with him on that. I I've thought that myself for years. He also mm. fan casts uh Caroline Monroe as Talia. I'm totally down for that too because I'm a big hammer mm. guy. Yeah. Uh but here's something that I have that popped in my head one day. If you needed a seventies Batman and Adam West didn't want to do it or they didn't want to go with Adam West because of the you know, the way that show was, and now they're doing something different. What do you think yeah. about David Selby as Batman in the seventies? Huh? <laughs> I, he's got the jaw for it. <laughs> my immediate reaction, my immediate reaction is, is I'm not buying it. Okay. Okay. Oh boy, that's a tough one. <laughs> I don't. His good looks are a rough hewn good looks. Okay. I don't think he is my, in my mind's eye, he's the Bruce Wayne that I, you know, would have wanted to see. Okay. okay. I, I would, maybe he'd be okay as Batman. But yeah, um, with all due respect to everybody who thinks that I'm wrong, <laughs> um, well, this no, is just me. I, so you're not. I, just... <laughs> I would, yeah, I um, kind of, kind of no, okay. kind of no on that. Well, I, I'll um, tell you where kind of where I got that too. There's is, there's a there's a Batman comic. Uh, DC special series, uh, the Batman spectacular It has, it's, uh, it's got a Marshall Rogers cover where, you know, uh, Batman's reading on a, a tombstone, something that's been written to him and there's a noose hanging down and there's, oh a, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, you know, the one I'm talking about. And there's a yeah. story, there's a story in that one, uh, that's called, I now pronounce you Batman and wife by, uh, by Denny O'Neill. And, uh, that's the one where actually Batman and Talia get married in Raish's cuss in his, uh, in his customs. So in his culture, they're married, right? And, yeah. and, uh, there's a panel of Bruce Wayne that Michael Golden draws that looks a whole lot like, uh, David Selby. Uh, so mm. I, I flashed to that. It's a very seventies Bruce Wayne. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. That kind of works. So that, that's, that's, yeah. I'm hinged on that one panel, but I also, I think he plays tortured rich guys well. So, you know, <laughs> but see, I would not have wanted a tortured Batman slash Bruce Wayne in the set in the seventies. Oh, uh, okay. You know, that's not, that's true. You know, that's true. That didn't happen until much later. Um, okay. Here, how about this one? Okay. Jerry Lacey as the Joker. No, I could see that. Reverend Trask himself, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. Oh, yeah. That would work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how about this? Thayer David as the penguin. Ooh, yeah. He's tall. He's kind of tall for the penguin, but but I think he would have I think he would have been good as as the uh the penguin. Or you know what? Jerry, Jerry Lacey could have done also the Riddler too. Yeah. 
Yeah, he'd been you know. good. Yeah, like, I, I think if you if you think of like the the grins that he could do, the evil grins, I think he would have made a very interesting Joker. Boy, I'd have to think about who in the who in the seventies would have made a good Bruce Wayne. I'm sure you know I can think of somebody, but yeah. I I can't I can't I cannot get behind David Selby as okay. As, well, we could get Joel Crothers who who played Joe Haskell and <laughs> Nathan Forbes. He could have played about any superhero. He made a good Green Lantern or something. Yeah, you know? David Hennessy could have been Robin. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> they dyed his hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, you, you know, listen, listen to this. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Are you sitting down? Yeah. Lara Parker as Catwoman. Oh, right! Wow, those eyes! Am I right? Yeah, <laughs> the, those eyes! Yeah, Ooh. yeah. And you know, and then think of her as um, uh, the when she had the dark. Uh, she was a uh, real uh, dark hair. She. Um, oh yeah, uh, she was married to Roger Collins. Yeah, uh, I can't think of her name though. Yeah, I know she's talking about. Yeah. That's terrible. I can't, what, why can't I can't think of the name that she Cassandra? Cassandra. Cassandra. Yeah, she was Angelique, but she was posing as as Cassandra. Right. Yeah. Boy, think of she would have made a hell of a Catwoman. Oh uh, wow! Yeah. 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 She's great um, in a Coltrack episode, you know. So uh, yeah. Oh in, yeah, yeah. The uh, the Tevi collection is yeah. that the one? The, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Thayer yep. David was the villain in the. Spider-Man TV pilot. So <laughs> right, yeah, there right. you go. So there's a little comic connection for you. So yeah, <laughs> there's that. Unfortunately, there's no Batman connection that I know of with dark shadows. I don't uh, think the, there are Tim actors. Burton. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about the real Batman. I, I know. And I'm talking about the real dark shadows. Yeah, I know. No, I can't, I can't think of anybody that was in, well, Abe Vigoda was on dark shadows and then he did a voice of, uh, in mask of the phantasm. So, <laughs> There you okay. Go. <laughs> all right. You're all right. We're stretching. We're stretching. I know, but right. it's it's Batman the animated series, so it's quality, you know. So it's yeah. you know it's so. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I I think we could riff on Batman and Dark Shadows all day. I know, I know, I could, but uh, I know, and our buddy Rob Kelly will be down for this. You want to watch Mash? So, and I, I'm totally good <laughs> it's because okay. we have Mash cast on this Dennis, network. Dennis Patrick as Alfred. <laughs> Jason McGuire himself, yeah. <laughs> Why did the Collinses never have a butler? That's true. I mean, they had uh, they had the uh, uh, Mrs. Uh, Johnson. They had Mrs. Mrs. Johnson. Bless her heart. <laughs> we, I'm the biggest Mrs. Johnson fan ever. The long suffering Mrs. Johnson. Yeah, yeah. What about her and her nephew that was on there for a while? You know, the, or was it her son or a nephew? I can't remember. Um. Yeah, it was well. It, it, it's in the '90s revival. Willie was her son or nephew, right? Oh, okay, okay. I think that's the way that was. He was always going on about her nut loaf. <laughs> She'd bake nut loaf for him, and he was always eating. It was wrapped in foil, and he was always eating the nut loaf. Yeah, it's is yeah. it like Aunt May's wheat cakes or something? I think that's yeah, it's a same exact thing. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, but that's funny that they uh, they the Collinses never had a butler. I, that's true. Yeah, I, it popped in my head. You said Jerry Lacey earlier as Joker, but and maybe as the Riddler. But what about John Carlin as the Riddler? Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, 
he's he's that well okay in his younger days yeah he yeah yeah yeah. because he's very intense he's yeah he's got that intensity like frank portion yeah and and the um humbert el uh alfredo yeah as rasha ghul oh yeah i could see that yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Huh? I look at him and I'm like, he looks like, you know, uh, Nicholas Blair looks like, you know, the 60s Doctor Strange. Every time I look at him and he, he there's po- there's lots of promo pics where he's making like hand gestures like Doctor Strange, you know. So I'm yeah. like, he's yeah. very, he's very Ditko Doctor Strange, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, Marie Wallace as the uh, Congresswoman era Barbara Gordon. Oh, yeah, I could go for that. Yeah. yeah, but I can't. I can't pl- come up with anything for Catherine Lee Scott. I, I, I can't. <laughs> she's I, it's too, not working. She's just too wholesome. Uh, she. Yeah. Or or or, or well, Jonathan Fred could be Alfred. Jonathan Fred could be the Scarecrow. He could be Jonathan Crane. Oh well, of course, Jonathan Crane, Jonathan Fred. Oh, yep, you yeah. got it. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> Woo. Oh, uh, the, you know who would make a great Alfred? Because his, you know, especially if you went with the more sardonic wit, Alfred would be Louis Edmonds. He'd be a great Alfred. <laughs> yeah, you know. there you go. <laughs> I love, I love that. I love that one. Yeah, we um, still haven't uh, figured out. Or uh, or. Or Commissioner Gordon. Or Commissioner Gordon. That would work. Yeah. 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 Well, you know but, who, but th- I know. As Alfred, wait, that's that's pretty genius. Yes. I, and uh 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 jo- uh Joan Bennett could be um Dan Harriet. <laughs> no, no, no. Um uh, the lady that helped young Bruce Wayne. Oh uh yeah, um Leslie Tompkins. Leslie Tompkins. Oh, I'm I'm dead to Batman fans. I can't believe I forgot Leslie Tompkins. There's no hope in Crime Alley. There you go. There you go. You know where we went past, right past the obvious. I don't know why I didn't think about this. Talking about jawlines, and unfortunately we just lost him. Mitchell Ryan is Batman. Well, I thought about that, but as well, I as much as I love Mitch Ryan, um. I don't know. I, I again, it, he he's not smooth enough to be Bruce Wayne mm. in a way. Mm. But boys, he's a was a walking pulp character. Oh yeah, you know? a was. walking, talking, two fisted pulp character. Great slam, you know, Bradley. He really was. Yeah, <laughs> I love I love Burke Devlin. You know, Burke Devlin's you know just walked out of a pulp magazine. Yeah, he did. And I mean, that's a character when they recast him, no offense to the second guy, I think Anthony George, but it's like, wow, that's like a totally different character. They should have even. Yeah. 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 God bless. God bless him. But no. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's almost like a Jackson Bostwick, John Davey, Captain Marvel switch. Oh, no. You know. (laughs) Okay, we're going deep now. We're going deep. Uh, wow. We could do. We could literally do this all day. Yeah. So, but I better let you go. So we, you can watch. You go, that. We're gonna watch out. We better watch out, or we're gonna start talking about the first Willie Loomis. Oh yeah, that guy. I forgot about that. That yeah. guy. <laughs> <laughs> or 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 God forbid, we start talking about Buzz. Oh, Buzz. Yeah, Carolyn's uh, boyfriend. <laughs> the the beaten hippie. We, we haven't said anything at all about Nancy Barrett. 
Oh, I loved her. I love her. What yeah. was, uh, could she have been Batgirl, I suppose? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, she's yeah, she's blonde, but yeah, she she's great. I mean, she does so she's so versatile in the series and then in the movie yeah. in House of Dark Shadows, she makes a great vampire bride. I mean, she's just Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, she's like yeah. she's gorgeous and it's like, okay, yeah, you can bite me, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Penny Dreadful and I talked about that, that House of Dark Shadows is, to me, like the first Kolchak TV movie. Yeah. it Take away the IP part of those movies, uh-huh. and they're two of the very best vampire movies made. Yeah. You know, if you if you just kind of look past the the intellectual property parts, uh, you know, of them yeah. at at their base level, they're they're two of the best, uh, at least, you know, coming out of the 70s, you know, really two of the best vampire movies made. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. And I, I'm a real big fan of Dan Curtis's Dracula with Jack Palance. I think I, it I think it's great. I've been kind of saving that is I think. Becky had that on disc, and I mm. I haven't done it yet. She was very fond of that yeah. Jack Palance Dracula thing, and I have never seen it. I can I think I've kind of been saving it for maybe some special occasion, you know. But but I will watch that because I know um, Charles uh, Rutledge, my co-editor, is a big fan of that particular Dracula. Yeah, I mean Francis Ford Coppola's version owes a lot to that movie. That's all I'm gonna say. That oh, well, you know what? That's Good, that's good to hear, um, um, because we, uh, we were both a very big fan of that movie. Becky just loved that Bram yeah. Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and, oh, that's good to know. All right, well, I'm well, I gotta watch that then. There's a little, and I won't give away too much, but there's a little bit of Barnabas Collins in his Dracula, which then carries over into Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. So, uh, all right, yeah. <laughs> all right. Oh, that's that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I I, I definitely recommend that one. So, yeah. So, Jim, this has been uh, just a pleasure. It's it's always just great to just talk. You and I, I think, could just sit here and talk all day long about fan casting Dark Shadows actors into Batman <laughs> yeah. and vice versa. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. There's a new book for you. There you go. <laughs> oh, well, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate that. That's, uh, that's that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many people would buy it, but you and I would, right? So there you go. Uh, so where can folks find Oof, Boff, Splat, and Running Home to Shadows and your other books? Well, you kind of told us where they can find them, but where do you yeah. want to go for What do you want people De- to find? Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> Believe yeah. it or not, go to Amazon, right? <laughs> yeah. E- everything, um, everything there is uh, – but except for two books. Um, but, uh, if you just go to Amazon and under books and put in my name, you'll get my Amazon author page and, um, everything, everything's there. And, um, and then the only two, the two other books that are not there are at moonstonebooks.com and it's not moonstone.com, but moonstonebooks.com. Okay. And you'll see my Kolchak novel and my green Hornet novel are, are there. They're not on Amazon. Okay, well, we just brought up Kolchak, and of course, you know, mm-hmm. when you talk Batman 66, eventually you get to the Green Hornet, so that's awesome. That's that's fantastic, so uh, so definitely check those out, guys. Where can you uh, people follow you on the socials? Yeah, uh, at the at Facebook, uh, it is called the Jim Beard and Becky Books page, okay. and then on Twitter, I'm at writer Jim Beard, all one word. 
All right. Sounds great. Folks, definitely seek out Jim. Uh, he's always posting fun stuff, and I always like to see what you're watching and reading and what you're working on. And uh, it's it's always a, it's always fun to keep up. You're you're so Thank busy. You. You're so busy, man. I don't see how you do it. <laughs> I feel like I sit around and do nothing half most of the time. But uh, <laughs> but I, I appreciate I appreciate that uh, uh, very much. I guess when I get busy, I am really busy. But it takes a lot sometimes to 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 get me going i i've been more on i've been more interested lately in in doing nonfiction books you know than fiction and i think i just have to kind of work that through my system and then and then get back to some fiction but um i'm having fun because i'm doing more of these memories uh kit you know childhood memory books it looks like i it could become a series uh the first one was uh about growing up with G.I. Joe. Yeah. And then the Dark Shadows ones. They have a uh, – in the subtitles, the subtitle is – it's Memories of and then whatever it is from t- uh, today's grown-up kids. So I'm, I call it the Grown-Up Kids Memories series and uh, there's t- two so far. And there is a third one actually in the works right now with a, uh, with a fourth idea that will most likely happen after I finish the third one. Oh, okay. Well, keep us informed and uh, you guys can check Jim out on the socials and uh, find out what he's up to. I won't let you – won't ask you to spoil anything because I don't want you to let the genie out of the bottle too early. But uh, uh, and please, please review Chris's essay in in <laughs> Boff's splat. He's just dying to hear what people think uh, of of his take on the Joker's flying saucer. Yeah, let let me know, and also let me know. Do you think that David Selby would make a good Batman? In- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, this is going to turn into some big uh, internet debate. I can just feel. <laughs> Release the Selby cut. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks as always, Jim. Uh, it, it, it's been thank an absolute you. pleasure. Uh, thank you for allowing me to go on the journey through the subterranean blue grotto with you. Uh, I had a blast. It, it greatly fulfilled my inner child, which is also my outer child. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> well, we're, we're not done. I'm sure I'm going to have a, another book before long that, that, uh, that, you know, you'll want to be a part of and I'll gladly have you there. Well, I'll be glad to come. So thank right. you again. Thanks everybody for listening. And, uh, until next time, we'll see you later. Bye. This is Barnabas Collins. He lives in a strange world, a world of vampires, werewolves, and dark shadows. Now the world of Dark Shadows is yours in a strange new game by Milton Bradley, the Barnabas Collins Dark Shadows game. Each player spins, then selects bones from the coffin. But watch out for the dreaded stake. You struggle to complete a skeleton, a skeleton that glows in the dark. If you win, the curse of the vampire is yours. Mm-hmm. When the game, you get a set of Barnabas fangs. Milton Bradley makes the best games in the world. And the Barnabas Collins game is the scariest. So get it. <laughs> <laughs>